brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The crowds asked John the Baptist, what should we do? He said to them in reply, whoever has two cloaks should share with the person who has none. And whoever has food should do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized and they said to him, teacher, what should we do? He answered them, stop collecting more than what is prescribed. Soldiers also asked him, and what is it that we should do? He told them, do not practice extortion. Do not falsely accuse anyone and be satisfied with your wages. Now the people were filled with expectation and all were asking in their hearts whether John might be the Christ. John answered them all saying, I am baptizing you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. I am not worthy to loosen the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Exhorting them in many other ways, he preached good news to the people. The Gospel of the Lord. One reason that I've been a a Major League Baseball fan more than any other sport is that there's specific aspects to the game that seem very admirable and, in fact, are very relatable to other aspects of human life. To be a a successful ball player demands a, a level of sacrifice and a commitment since the season lasts almost eight months from spring training all the way through the World Series if your team is lucky to make it. And let's not talk about the Yankees losing to the Red Sox in the division series this past thing. I know it's only two months ago. I'm still not over it. Anyway, but because it's such a a daily grind and so many aspects of the game are, are simply affected by human beings being human, if you follow a team through the whole season, there's a lot that goes on which speaks to more than just playing a game. For example... When a player goes into a slump, when a batter just cannot get a hit, there's probably nothing more frustrating for a Major League Baseball player than when they go into these these funks. It's certainly not a a pleasant experience for a fan of Major League Baseball. I fear that I've scandalized some of the missionaries or or Sean or anyone who's lived on the, the third floor above me who might have overheard some of my observations during these kinds of periods for certain players, but that was a whole other story. ESPN Magazine a a few years ago did a story on this, and they titled it, A Batting Slump Can Be a Very Scary Thing. And in it, the author talked about how going through these things can actually be a pretty traumatic thing for, for ballplayers. For example, Brady Anderson, when he was in this horrible slump while playing for the Baltimore Orioles, One night was a passenger in a car being driven by his teammate, Rene Gonzalez. 
and Gonzalez was going way too fast on a dangerous road. It was late at night. It was raining. And Anderson just said to Gonzalez, you know, Gonz, if I wasn't hitting 178, I'd ask you to slow down. Texas Ranger outfielder George Wright was so exasperated that his batting average was at a career low that he said he wanted just to change his name and move out of the country. And recently retired Mets third baseman David Wright said, when you're in a slump, you go to bed at night and you just lie there and your mind is racing and you think about everything imaginable, your bat model, your bat size, your pitch selection, how you're wearing your pants. (laughs) And the author observed that a bad slump, yes, it will keep you up at night, it will make you quit smoking, and if you don't smoke, it will make you start. There are just all kinds of things that a, a player will try to do anything to get out of it. Countless times that a, a hitter will just stand in front of a mirror at 3 a.m., just swinging an imaginary bat, wondering what is it that he's doing wrong, wondering when he will get another hit, if ever. Does that sound familiar? Now, most likely, we're not worried about ever getting a hit again. But I think every one of us has had those experiences where those fears or those worries or the doubts that can keep us up at night. We can relate to that dark cloud that just doesn't seem to be passing anytime soon that makes you feel like you're just in this slump. And that's not something new or unique to us here and now. Listening to tonight's gospel reading, you get this sense that the people were experiencing those same types of feelings as well. We just heard in that gospel about Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, again. Last week in Sunday's gospel, we heard how the word of God came to John. And after the word of God came to John, John was preaching that word and started drawing all these crowds. Why? What was catching their attention? They were in a slump, and they were looking for help. Three times we heard the crowds ask John, what should we do? Because it seemed everywhere that they looked, there were inequities. There were people taking advantage of others. There were people being dishonest. And sometimes this was being done by friends and, or neighbors or people that they were worked with or people that the crowds at least knew. And in their innermost hearts, these crowds knew that something was wrong. Something was off as they watched all these injustices being committed. And that feeling just kept growing as they experienced the the ruthlessness and the cruelty that human beings are capable of. And sadly, sometimes we're even getting away with. Those things probably sound somewhat familiar, too. In the midst of all those realities, though, the church on this this third Sunday of Advent tells us to rejoice. That's the overriding theme of tonight's Mass. All the prayers, the scriptures all keep echoing that. In that first reading, we heard, fear not, be not discouraged. Why? The Lord your God is in your midst. Paul in that second reading said, rejoice in the Lord always. The Lord is near. That's all well and good to hear, but if I'm in a slump, if I'm in that kind of a funk, and for legitimate reasons, the crowd's question becomes almost the more urgent for us. What should we do then? What should we do when we don't see his presence? What should we do when we're filled with fear 
or being discouraged. Coming back to baseball, one thing that a ball player will tell you is that when they're in the throes of a slump, the best way forward is going back to basics. One reporter interviewing a coach talked about how often he would take a, a batter's tee. You know, that thing that holds the ball in front of a home plate. And, the, you know, you usually see little kids playing with it when they play t-ball. And he'll make his players use that for practice for a while. Now, undoubtedly, it's, its sight is probably humiliating at first for the, for the guys when they see the tee coming out. I mean, here's a guy who's reached the pinnacle of his athletic career being in the major leagues and is using the same thing that a four- or five-year-old does just when he can barely hold a bat in his hands. But the coach's point is that sometimes a player has to go back to the basic just to have, to have that experience of, of connecting and launching a ball 400 feet so that they can be reminded of the essential to get their swing back. And that's what John the Baptist is advising the crowds today. Every one of his responses to the crowds are very common sense and practical advice, isn't it? What should we do? If you have two cloaks and you see someone who doesn't have any, share with them and do the same with food. If you're a tax collector, just because you see another tax collector who's taking more than is owed, don't do that. If you're a soldier or you're in a position of power and authority, don't be a bully. Be sensible, be honest, be just with the people that you're dealing with. What should we do? Get back to basics. Don't doubt the good and the right and the just decision, which we indeed all know how to make. Despite how rare they might seem, despite how often those things aren't happening around us, despite all the bad examples, both in and out of the church, that might have undermined our confidence in making them. John the Baptist calls us to get back to basics that we know deep in our heart, calling us to step out of ourselves and then embrace the hopes and the needs of others. His seemingly very common sense, practical human advice are those foundational steps that we need to start to become God's witnesses in the world by loving and extending love to others, by being that reflection of Christ's love and forgiveness and mercy and compassion. And that is what will lead us eventually to rejoicing as we prepare to celebrate and discover anew the Messiah, Jesus Christ, coming into our lives.